0: You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Uh, This is going to be a a message that you might want to put your crash helmet on and uh, have some extra padding. Uh, We at our church here at 360, we believe and um, and trying to find uh, and speak about all angles of the Bible and uh, not just those, that, those parts that are easy and those parts that uh, are, just make us feel good. There are plenty of parts in the Bible uh, that do make us feel good. Uh, we don't like those parts. I'm just kidding. We do. Uh, but there are parts where God calls us, and because he is a loving father as any parent, a good parent, a strong parent is also going to talk about those things that, that uh, call us into a deeper level. And today, that's where we, we land ourselves. We've been going through the book of Jonah. And I, uh, hey man, can you hold that for me? Thank you. I don't see a chair. Today. So um, we've been going through the book of Jonah today and uh, we, ha- we continue in that. And so uh, in, that, um, in that sense, we, we land at a place I think is critical. And so, hey, thank you. That's no, oh, no problem. No, give my phone back, bro. That's good. <laughs> I called him. He was ordering something off of Amazon. Hey, what you... <laughs> all right. A lot of content today. So if you're here for the first time, like, man, there's a lot of content, little unusual amount of content today, but uh, I think it's important. So Today, uh, let me frame it a little bit. I think in life, we all have those aha moments. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Or it, those things that you discover for the first time. And This sounds crazy. Two weeks ago in my office bathroom, I discovered we actually have hot water. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. You know, a lot of churches, come on, you go in, they're like, we're too cheap to pay for hot water. (laughs) So, and so, you know, you go in and it's already kind of a cold day outside and you're like, man, I've been doing this for ever how long I've been in my office. And uh, somehow I cut the water on in advance and, um, and I came back to the water. I'm like, dude, we have like hot water. It was like an aha moment. I know it doesn't seem as big a deal to you as it does to me, but I've been walking around like this for, you know, like doing a, like a dinosaur claw thing. But anyway, I discovered on my microwave, I thought when you press like the numbers, it was like presets. Like if you want popcorn, you know, you press four. I just discovered that if you press numbers, it's like, oh, you can do like 41 seconds. Anybody else knew that already? Okay. All right. Whatever. I don't like you. I was reading an article about some aha moments. Here are some of the most meaningful aha moments in life. The moment that you take responsibility. The moment that you realize that you're not the only one with problems. The moment that you feel the relief of minimalism. Some people have that like, wow, I should have done this years ago. The, the moment that you discover the paradox Of giving. The the moment that you realize that we will all be dust one day. The moment that you learn the power of asking questions and not just giving answers. So we can identify. Today we're going to talk about spiritual aha moments because this is exactly what happens in the book of Jonah. One day we looked at the theme of Jonah, that there were different themes, but those themes were in every chapter. It's the same for today. There was a theme of of people being afraid of death in the book of Jonah. So the first chapter, the sailors are just freaked out completely that you know the ship is going to go down. And then the second chapter, Jonah was afraid that he was going to die in the in the belly of the fish. And then the the Ninevites were afraid that they were going to die fourth final chapters, only four chapters the fourth final chapter they, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jonah was kind of bent out of shape that his plant died and it's kind of a weird ending there but there, there was a theme there's another theme that runs through this book in every chapter and it's the theme of turning so we see today that the sailors on the boat are going to have an aha moment it's a spiritual aha moment a supernatural aha moment and they turn Jonah in chapter two has a foxhole aha moment, a foxhole turn toward God. Of course, the, the apex, the, the, the climax of the symphony here is in chapter three, where the Ninevites have an aha moment and the king of Nineveh has an aha moment and turns to God. And then in the final chapter, we see Jonah turning away from God, turning away from the design that God had for him. So that's a, a message of turning today. We begin then uh, with this uh, quote from a guy named Kyle Eidelman. Some of you know some of his books. He writes in this book, and the name of the book is called Aha, the moment, the God moment that changes everything. This is a moment that God leads us to but doesn't leave us there. And so in this book, Kyle writes these words, God often uses desperate moments to wake us up. Only when things start to fall apart do we have that aha moment, Those when we finally open our eyes. So as you remember the story of Jonah, as it begins, the, the, the Jonah is running away from God. He's on the ship. There's a storm. God creates a storm, and it looks like all is lost. These sailors are at a desperate moment, and that's when they finally wake up to God. We begin today in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity of the ocean just churning and turning up on the boat. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Boy, I wish we could do that these days, to be honest with you. Make life a lot easier. Okay, who left their socks in the living room? We're going to cast lots and see who it was. (laughs) Because nobody wants to confess. So they asked Jonah, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? Because as we look before, the sailors were from all over different locations with different religions and different faiths. From what people are you from? He said I'm a, a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Their response to that statement is surprising because it would be like sitting in a room with 10 people all of different faiths. Tell us about your god, tell us about your religion, tell us about your faith and someone says, "Well, I'm I'm a Hindu and this is what we believe." Like, "Oh, interesting." Tell me, I'm a Buddhist, and this is who I am, this is my belief. Very interesting. It was like a discussion. So when he says to this group of men who have different faiths, he says, "I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord who God, who made the heavens and the earth the sea that we're in that's churning, by the way, it's interesting that this terrified them. Why didn't they say, "Huh? Well, that's interesting. He made the sea. Well, maybe you could throw up a prayer for us since the sea is about to kill us. But they were terrified because the key to our conversation today, God was doing something. This was no, this was just not a natural intellectual teasing conversation. Say, tell us about your faith. Hey, who's your favorite sports team? It was beyond that because. The theme for today is what if we relied on the supernatural movement of God a bit more in our conversations about faith? What if we stopped treating it like an intellectual exercise and began to see that God is at work in those around us and in us, those around us when we approach the topic of faith? Maybe we might relax a little bit more. Hey, God's at work. All he said was, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God who made the sea and the heavens and all that. They were terrified, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord. They must have had a chat about that before because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you? I like that. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? He said, "Pick me up and throw me into the sea. I find it fascinating. We won't park on this. Why didn't If Jonah knew that was the answer, why didn't he just jump off the boat himself? But he said, "I need I, you're going to sacrifice me." "Pick me up and throw me into the sea," he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is, in my, this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you." In the New Testament, the the book of Jonah is referred to more frequently than you would think because it's such a teeny book. Other books are referred to, the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, etc. But it be, be, being such a teeny book, there's so much reference giving to it. It's it's surprising, including Jesus referred to the book of Jonah, that it was a picture of Jonah being tossed into the sea and the and being. Encaved in this fish as a picture of the resurrection as he was going to be in the, in the cave for three days. God is always working in pictures in the Old Testament. So here's the plan. That one man is going to be sacrificed for everybody else. Ring a bell? That this was the ultimate plan. And so when they heard this plan, it reminds us in this moment now on this side of Jesus in Romans 5, 12, if the many died for by the trespass or the sin of one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came from the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the, to the many? You see, the plan of God for humanity who are drowning in the sea of our own helplessness was to sacrifice one for the many. Now, we recognize that Jonah was a sinful man, but God still used him as an example of the resurrection, right? In fact, it reminds us in 1 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This was the plan of God from the beginning, before Adam took his first breath. And in this moment, on this day, in this desperate situation, this was the plan that God provided God was Not the sea was churning only, but God was churning in the lives of these sailors and the lives of Jonah. So the sea wasn't the only thing churning that day. And so here, here's the plan. And the next word in the story is the, is the word that's pivotal for the human race. The next word is instead. All of us at one time, and maybe currently, depending on where you're at in your life, lived or are living a life of instead. Here's the plan, but instead, I'm going to have my own plan. Here's here's a very simple plan. One man for all. One man will be sacrificed for all, but instead... I'm going to come up with my own plan, my own effort. I'm going to, I don't need to be righteous in God's sight through Christ. I'm going to do religion. I'm going to do my own rightness. I'm going to be, I'm going to modify my behavior and enough that I'm right, that I win the favor of God. Watch in the next verse in verse 13, instead of throwing Jonah off the the boat, which was the plan. Instead, the men did their best To row back to the land. Don't we do our best to do everything except God's plan? Have you ever noticed that? If he says, look, you can do red, I want green. If he said green, I want red. If he said blue, I want purple. If he said purple, I want blue. It's just in our nature to say, I've got a better plan. Instead, I'm going to live a different life. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land. And as it happens, but they could not. Of course they couldn't. Because it was God who was churning, not just the sea. They could not. And the sea created by the God who Jonah was running from, the sea, grew even wilder than before. There was about to be this aha moment. And it is the greatest aha moment that a human being can have. I mean, there are, we went through a list of aha moments as human beings and in our human experience that are like, man, these are great moments. But the greatest moment, the greatest aha moment, the greatest discovery moment is not that you have hot water in your faucet or you know how to now do 41 seconds on your microwave. The greatest aha moment is when your arms get so tired of rowing away from God that you say it's getting worse and worse and (laughs) worse and like oh I need God and God says that's it right there that's it right there and if you're at home there are 12 people in the room that are super excited about that so I've taken this, this little word, aha. I don't know, is that a legal word in Scrabble? Uh, who knows? Who cares, actually? So i uh, <laughs> taken this, and we're going to use it as an acronym today. Because there's so much content that I just, I'm, I always hope that you can walk away and say, okay, I can hang my hat on that, all right? The question is this. When a person is tired of rowing and the sea is getting wilder what is it what does it take to turn towards god to turn towards god here's the first here's the first little letter for you abandon abandon the effort abandon the thought abandon me trying abandon religion Abandon opin opinion, abandon self-opinion, abandon arguments against well, this shouldn't be happening. This was not in the weather report. This is not on our GPS. Look at the look at the radar. There's no storms. Abandoning on all those of uh, those arguments against God. Because there is a sense of coming to God that we cannot come to God unless we abandon those efforts. There's a biblical word for it. And the reason, literally, that I have been awake in the middle of the night, most nights this week, is because we have left this word behind with those who've come before us. And the word is repentance. The word is repentance. The older I get, the more I like history. The older I get, the more burdened I become for the church and the church culture, if I were honest, in our culture today, we feel like we need to spruce things up a bit to make it attractional, to make sure I say only nice things about God, to say it, to to make it so presentational, of what you're going to get out of this transaction. When Christ died on the cross so that you have peace and you have joy and your life will be better, all those things are true. And all you have to do is just say yes to the invitation. Would you rather go to heaven or go to hell? Okay, that's a pretty easy answer. It's kind of like being married. Hey, if you get married, you get a tax break, you get to live in the same dwelling, so you're going to save rent. And uh, man, you're going to get the vacation together, and uh, everybody gets a cool ring. You get a ring, she gets a ring, he gets a ring, she gets a ring, and you get a ring. And man, it's so easy. It's really cool. You got to get married, and people are like, okay, I'll get married, without saying, hey, marriage is not easy. It's wonderful. It's deep. It's rich. But there's something that we must say. I would be remiss if I did a wedding and never talked and prepared the person. As you're as you're experiencing this, here's what you here's some of the things you're going to experience. And on the same hand, you don't want to freak people out. Because I can look at some of you, you're already freaked out, like, where are we going here? I mean, if I'm doing premarital counseling, I, I wouldn't want to say, man, here's the deal. My third year in marriage, whoo, man, we were fighting like cats and dogs. And I was trying to get my way, and she's always trying to get her way. And man, we're like, it was awful. And then it's not, not in-laws, let's just talk about that. That's a whole nother chapter. And then you can't decide on where you want to go to eat. And you can at any rate, <laughs> let's get married. <laughs> like, no thank you. <laughs> Not even worth the tax break you're going to get. So there's a balance, okay? There's a balance in our world between easy believism and legalism. Somewhere between. But let me just tell you my observations over... This year is my 40th year following Christ that we have swung the pendulum much further toward easy believism. And I don't think it's, I think it's unfair. I think it's unbiblical. I think it's untrue. So we must have the full story. So when I come to an intersection about these types of conversations, I go to those who have been trusted and tried and true throughout history. What I mean is the D.L. Moody's, the Charles Spurgeon's, the Billy Graham's, the John Wesley's, the Martin Luther, the Dietrich Bonhoeffer's. And I'm like, I want to hear what they said because they valued people enough to tell them the truth. I don't think we're doing any favor as pastors by watering things down because of the end result of that. You see, when we come to Christ, we get peace, we get the indwelling of the Spirit, but we are being called to be disciples of Christ and to move and be partnership in the advancement of God's work on earth. And that cannot be done, if I may say it honestly, by a bunch of babies that just signed up for the tax break. Maybe that's why so many marriages aren't working. We didn't have enough preparation of what this required of what this was meant to be. So DL Moody, and by the way, I have put a lot of links in our our mobile app today for you to read later. And, uh, uh, Articles by D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon. Some of them are not easy reading, by the way. But there's one particular one uh, by an organization called GotQuestions.org. It's at the top of the list. There's another book that I highly recommend: uh, Allegiance, uh, Salvation by Allegiance Alone. So, if you're interested in going deeper I, for this topic, I wanted you to have the, have that. And then uh, there's a couple of pictures of me in there, just so it's really attractive. <laughs> I'll let the steam off a little today <laughs> with stupid jokes. All right, here we go. What do, what do other people say about repentance? D.L. Moody, who incred- had so many people coming to Christ because he spoke truth. Watch. He said there's a good deal of trouble among people about what repentance really is. If you ask people what it is, they will tell you it's feeling Sorry. If you ask a man if he repents, he will tell you, oh yes, I generally feel sorry for my sins. This is not repentance. It is something more than feeling sorry. Repentance is a turning and a forsaking sin. I'm rowing like this way. And repentance has said, I, I'm going I'm to stop going in that direction. Repentance is a turning and forsaking sin. If a man is not repentant, His face is turned away from God, like Jonah. And the moment his face is turned towards God, peace and joy follow. He had this amazing illustration that, and you can almost see it if you were close enough, you'd see it. But let's say these bright lights up here are the sun. And D.L. Moody said, when I have my back toward the sun my shadows are in front of me. But when I turn my face towards the sun, my shadows are behind. So what we're going to see is like everything else, repentance is is enveloped in this relational love that God has. In other words, repentance isn't a dirty word. because Here's what we automatically go to. In order to come to Christ, you better stop smoking. Okay, that sounds great. I really want to do that. And we have to and we have to be careful that we don't we don't say this. In order to come to Christ, you must clean up your act. But repentance is a turning away from something that is not designed to for God for you to have a healthy life with God. Otherwise, if nobody wants to talk about it. You come into the relationship and you're facing shadows all the time. Rather than I have died with Christ and my shadows are behind me. I still have stuff in my life. This is a, we call it progressive sanctification. God's working stuff out of my life. But listen, here's the key word, in my opinion. When you think about repentance, it's a word that I'm like, ooh, that that makes sense. It makes it make sense for me. It's a pliability. It's an agreement to be pliable to God. That means, God, I'm turning to you, and I know that I'm broken. I know I got stuff happening in my life, and I know I'm not going to get it all together because the power of the supernatural is going to help give victory, success over those things I struggle with, right? So it's a God thing. Never a human thing, like get your act together humanly so that you can go to God supernaturally. It doesn't work that way. But I'm coming to God, I'm dropping the oars of me rowing away from God, and I'm saying, God, I'm releasing my grip, and I'm pliable. Does that make sense? It's not, stop rowing, clean the boat, make sure it's you know, jiffy clean, and then come to me. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Here's uh, David Platt. Perhaps some of you know David Platt. He says, in every culture around the world, it's not a cultural thing, repentance is necessary. When we become followers of Jesus, we make a decided break with an old way of living and take a decisive turn to a new life. We literally die to our sin. We don't overcome it with human effort. We die to it and to ourselves, our self-centeredness. Our self-consumption, our self-righteousness, our self-indulgence, our self-effort, our self-exaltation. May I say I'm still working on that list. In, in the words of Paul, we have no longer been crucified with we we have been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. See, we can relax about talking about repentance because it is a supernatural work. And it's not, we're telling people, get your act together. What if we relaxed more in the supernatural power of God, the revelation of God that He's doing in a person's life? Then maybe we wouldn't be such scaredy cats to talk about turning away from the world. We could relax in that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who spoke a lot about baptism, or about uh, discipleship, said this when, a Christ, when Christ bids a man to come, He bids him to come and die. Now think about that. And compare that to to most messages that we're hearing in our 21st century culture. Oh, let me tell you what you're going to get out of the deal. Well, see, Jesus said, come and die. Ooh, that sounds really attractive. But watch, there's an aha moment coming up. There's an aha moment coming up. And if we're not careful and we're too afraid to talk about repentance, we rob people of this aha moment. Okay? Watch this. David Platt goes on to say repentance is a costly call to fundamentally say no to who you are and your sin in order, watch, to find an entirely new identity and who he is. Okay? Here it is. Here's the, here's the paradox. All right? Here's the paradox. Jesus said it this way. There is this reservoir of what's called Zoe. That means real life. Bio means our tickers you know, ticker's still going. Everybody's still going. <laughs> Maybe the guy in the back. He's either asleep or dead. No, just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Totally point. That's bio. Zoe, listen, is the thing we're all after. We're really after. We want that meaning. This is when Jesus said, I give you life and I give it abundantly. I give you Zoe, that inner, like, hey, wow, I'm alive again. I was dead, but now I'm alive again, right? Jesus said, when we lose our life, quit rowing, we turn, like, wow, there is an unexpected, my water's hot. And if we're too afraid to talk about quit rowing this direction because we want to be so nice, we are robbing them of the aha moment that this is a beautiful life and we die to get there. You see how that makes? We would rob people of marriage if we're just going to leave out forsaking all others. Think about it. I'm meeting with a married a, a couple that's getting ready to be married. I'm like, you know, if I bring up that forsaking all others thing, really might turn them off, and maybe they maybe they won't get married. So I know he's got a couple girlfriends, so <laughs> I'm gonna leave that part out. Now, let's just envision how that's going to go in month two. See what I'm saying? How ridiculous, how ridiculous it would be. Rather than looking someone in the eyes and say, you know what? Breaking news, you're not going to agree on everything. Breaking news, the Bible says, submit to one another. And when you do, you're going to be married. As I have for 26 years, and look in the eyes of your bride and say, This is the best thing that's ever happened. And there's a richness there. Because if someone said, What's the success of being married for 26 years? Keep dying to yourself. Because if you want your way all the time, it ain't going to work out that great. Trust me, she's tried. I'm still having lunch at your house, right? I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, you want my phone back? All right. Good. Here's something that really helps with this. Martin Luther said these words. He said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. And if we're not willing to do it at the beginning, then how are we going to live a life of it? If no one told us about it at the beginning, then how do we know? That, oh, this is a life that I'm continually being pliable and a, a life of repentance. It's the secret. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Do, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that is supernaturally leading you Toward repentance. It's our second point. If you have the first point without the second point, it will become legalistic and harsh. Our first point is hey, abandon the rowing. Be willing to abandon whatever. God, I'm going to abandon the life I'm living. I don't even know what that means. Nobody understands. I promise you, when you stand on that marriage, that wedding altar, that marriage altar, no one understands the depth. Of what they're saying in that moment, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. No young man, no young woman ever understands the depth of that, but there is a willingness in that moment to say, I'm in. And then you begin to discover there's a willingness in this moment to stop rowing, and then God begins to progressively reveal. Hey, thanks for being pliable in my hand. Now we're going to start working on this. Oh, now that we got this, let's start working on this. But if we come ignorant of this to begin with because someone was afraid to say anything, then we're going to enter into the life uh, with Christ and say, it's going to be my way. And that's going to be talk about churning. Here's second, uh, the second letter for us to remember. So we turn from, but we also turn to. There's a hunger involved. There's a hunger involved. Watch. Then the sailors cried to the Lord. Boy, that was a breakthrough. I know we're just kind of reading one sentence to the next in the Bible, but man, that's a breakthrough. They, all, they had their own faiths. They had their own beliefs. They had their own arguments. They had probably their own gods, their own holy books or whatever that was. But in this aha moment, they turned to the Lord. Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life because he was getting ready to pitch him over the side. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. Watch. Here it is. If we repent just to get our act together and we turn from, but we won't turn to, we lose the warmth of turning. It's called legalism. Well, I don't dance anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't cuss anymore. I don't do any of that anymore. But somehow the spark doesn't seem like, man, you're really loving God right now. It's all about what we're not doing, see? So it it is a two-sided coin that we can't turn from unless we have someone to turn to. So again, young couple standing, uh, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to watch this anymore. You're not going to contact your girlfriend anymore. You're not going to do this anymore. You're gonna do this. And that just seems like all bad until you look and you turn your eyes and you lift that veil of the bride and like, okay, I don't care. You see, it's cha-cha-cha mm, 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 <laughs> that makes this like, hey, who wants it? right? <laughs> see, What we're finding is that it is God's patience and his kindness that he's like, oh, I want you. Like, okay, who would want that life anymore? I want God. And that's the beauty and the repentance that we have. You remember the prodigal son. He had an aha moment. It literally says he came to his senses. And it wasn't that he just stopped doing what he wanted. He turned his journey toward his dad. And when he ran, he found his dad waiting, running with open arms. It's not just turning away from the filth of the pigsty; it's running into the arms of a loving father. Paul said it this way: He said, first, I preached to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and then Judea. Preaching all over the place to the Gentiles also, and I preached that they should repent and." Turn to God. It's a to from and prove their repentance by their deeds. See, here's the deal. You can't, you'll prove your repentance a lot more when you embrace the father. Otherwise it would just, hey, you're a rule keeper. You're a rule keeper. No one can come to me unless the father who sent sent me draws him. What if we trusted in that supernatural movement of God? Would we be less afraid to talk to people about abandoning abandoning their old life? God's working in your life. You don't want the shadows in front of you. You want them behind you. You're going the wrong direction. And here's the language that you speak of love. I was in Costa Rica one time. friend of mine, this was years ago, we were both in our 20s, didn't speak a lick of the language, and we got in a taxi cab together, and at one point, we had an aha moment, it was about, oh, maybe four or five miles into the journey, we're going the wrong way, we're going the wrong way, and then we, we discovered that we didn't know how to tell the driver that we were going the wrong way. And something about that just hit us funny. And you know when you're laughing so hard you can't speak, it's like the silent laugh. like... <laughs> there was nothing funny about it. <laughs> but in that moment when we were doing it, we thought it was funny. And in the moment when we're rowing against God, we think, it's, we think hey, we're having a great time. Until we have this aha moment, and then we turn in the right direction And it feels so great because, see, we'll never find our destiny until we turn. And when you find that destiny, it's like coming home. If you've never had a relationship with God, listen. It's a paradox. You may be so worried about what you're going to give up or what you think you're going to have to give up. But I will tell you that when you arrive at the the doorstep of God. And maybe that's today for you. Maybe this is the decision-making day for you. And maybe it's not. But if it is, you will have this strange sense that you've arrived at a place you've never been and yet it feels like home. Because your Father in heaven has been waiting. But God is calling you to quit rowing to drop the oars, to abandon your life and lose your life so that you can have the greatest aha moment that you've ever experienced, to find life that you've never known at a deeper level. It's worth talking about. And I, for one, am not going to spruce it up. And neither should you repentance is not a dirty word a beautiful word finally we abandon the old life we have a hunger for the new life and we close by this we have an allegiance this is where the words in the bible get a little tricky as most of you know if you've been a christian for any amount of time let's take the word love you know there's filial love there's agape love there's uh uh, eros, love, physical love—there are different kinds of love. The, the problem with the English language is we have got one word, right? So I love ice cream. I love my wife. You know, it's, it should be a little distinction there. I think. <laughs> I mean, ice cream. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 the word "faith" and "belief" are in the same category. Very, very, very unfortunately. The word "faith," I'm going to put a. Uh, a little definition up here for you. The Greek word normally translated faith is pistis. It includes three aspects. Intellectual agreement, like, okay, I can buy that. Mm-hmm. A confession of loyalty and embodied fidelity. In most cases in the scripture, in the New Testament, the word faith means Allegiance. That when Christ is calling people, go let the dead bear their dead, and then come follow me and then have allegiance. Go sell everything you had to the rich guy who was all caught up in that. Not an act, not a work to deserve your way to God. No, but subtract that in your life, your heart. I want to see allegiance. Faith means I'm putting my allegiance in God that I'm not just saying, oh, OK, I believe there's a God because the Bible says, hey, even the world of darkness believes there's a God. It's got to be more than that, right? So Christ is not only, watch, he's not only making converts, he's calling disciples. And in our world, we get so excited about converts, but Christ is calling for an allegiance. He didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. Go into all the world and make disciples, those that will carry forth the message. Jesus told in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him decide, deny himself, take up his cross, and make allegiance to me. Just like that wedding. There is an allegiance. Will you, for better or for worse, richer or poorer, et cetera? Will you do? I do. What if you were at a what what if you were a wedding? Okay, let's say there's a wedding right here. I had I'm up here officiating. I got a, a couple. And I said, Will you? Take this man to have your, to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have him to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, till death do his part, all that. And let's say one of them said, maybe. I mean, wouldn't it freak you out? I know you would lean over to the next person sitting beside you. Did he say maybe? I thought he said maybe. I mean, I thought he said maybe. That's a total idiot. He said maybe. Drop your nets. Maybe. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in something that we're familiar with, like a, a wedding. This is why the word for faith is sometimes it, it, um, translated as fidelis, right? fine always loyal. Christ is saying, if you want to follow me, there, has to mean a, there needs to be an abandonment of the previous life. There needs to be a hunger towards me. And I'm looking for hearts that have allegiance. Now we can get something done. Did anybody say perfect this morning? I know I didn't. Did anybody say faultless? Did anybody say get your act together? No. It is richer, much richer than that. Jonah chapter 1, verse 15. Watch. They took Jonah, the sailors, they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea Grew calm. At this, the men greatly respected, revered, feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And he had their allegiance. They made vows. You see the picture? I'm wrestling, 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 wrestling with this kind of all week. And then this, this little gift box of a Bible verse came, at which point I said, God, if you could have given that on Monday, certainly would have. Watch this. It sums it up, okay? And then we'll close, I promise. I know a lot of content today. Acts chapter 20, Paul speaking. There's a great article, by the way, about how Paul speaks to those who don't know Christ yet and how he speaks to those Christ. It's It's in the link. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, watch this. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. If I were in a pastor's meeting right now, I'm like, this should be your life first. You never shrink back. Fear God, not man. Fear God, not man. Trust in God's supernatural Moving in a person. Oh, if I tell them this, they're not going to like it. No. Allow trust in the supernatural revelation God's trying to have in a person's life. And allow God to work. And don't get in the way by trying to spruce it up. Look, I'm not telling you to go over to your neighbor this afternoon and ring the doorbell and tell them they're going to hell. Okay, that's not it, for heaven's sakes. There's a little thing called common sense that God has infused in our head, Right? But Paul says this way, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. Either when I was preaching or when we were having coffee in your house. I never shrank back. And then he says, I've had one single message. Whether I'm talking to the Jews or the Greeks, those who knew the scripture, Old Testament, those who had zero idea, I had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike. And here it is. And I kind of Put numbers beside them. Number one, the necessity, not the option, the necessity for, of repenting from sin. Number two, the turning to God. And number three, having the faith and allegiance in our Lord Jesus. I rest my case. No, I rest God's case. This is, the, this is it. What's, what's involved in turning to God? We end with this scripture verse in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Listen, if you're here wrestling with you, if you're churning inside like, no, ooh, yeah, it's God. God is churning in you. If someone's coming into mind and you're thinking, man, I really want to share this with you. It's God churning in you. Let God churn. Let's quit sprucing it up. Let's quit making it easy. Let's quit running from the churn. Let's allow God to churn. Let's allow God to open our eyes. Let's allow God to be God and do whatever God wants to do rather than like, ooh, I got to tiptoe. No tiptoeing. Try to find in the Bible. No tiptoeing. Why? Because it is God who works in you. To will, to act, to hunger, to repent, to abandon. It's God working in you according to His amazingly good purpose. Thank you for joining us, and special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.